Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. What up, y'all? It's your boy Kevin on stage. I'm here with the lovely and luxurious Miss Kevin on stage. And welcome to another episode of the love hour podcast this is men's month men's month uh the month of may we're going to be dedicating it to men in various topics and i'm going to be taking the lead on the love hour like it was back in the day uh before it was successful so obviously (laughs) melissa is what made it what it is uh but i'm taking the lead it's going to be some changes around here all right so today we have my very own brother jason fredericks in his chicago mansion and we have my very good friend, Marcus Ain on the gram, Marcus Tanksley, which is Angel's husband. And they're both equally funny and hilarious. I actually met Marcus in the airport at work. He came up to me and was like, yo, man, you funny, bro. <laughs> All right, bro. Yeah. Literally. And then I was like, hey, thanks, man. And then I later found out that was Angel's husband. I was like, cool. So uh, today we're going to be talking about fatherhood. Marcus has four sons. Yes, four. Otis, uh, Kai. No, the oldest is Marcus. Little Marcus. Marcus. Oh, the one of the twins is Kai. Yeah. Yeah, one of the twins. Uh, Marcus is ten. <laughs> the twins are Kai and Sai. They're five years old, and then the youngest is Amar, who is eight months. Yeah, eight months. Angel had two humans on one day. She showed it. Yeah, she I did. I that the other day. I was like, <laughs> like I understood. She was like, "Yes, Kev, I had twins," and I was like, "I think I understood the concept of twins." But she put it yeah. like this. She said, "Having twins." is like having to run a marathon, sprinting at the end of the marathon, and then having to run another sprint. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was like the best, worst. And I got it so, so perfectly. Yeah. And, and, and what was funny is, is that that's what I felt like. So I don't even know how she feels. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> my very own brother, Jason, has the seven children and one grandchild. Um, and I have two boys. Jay, you have four, four boys, boys, three girls? Four boys, three girls, and Amir's a boy, so he he tied it up. So it's four. Amir, Amir. So uh, are we not doing the this or that type of stuff? No, okay, okay, cool. All right. So what I want you guys both to do is talk, uh, Marcus. I don't know anything about this part for you. I just do know Jason, so I'm gonna let you talk first, Marcus. Tell okay. me about the relationship you had with your dad. What was that like? Good question, Kevin. <laughs> I had a really close relationship with my dad. Um, unfortunately, I lost my dad two years ago. He died. But um, I, we had a really close relationship. He, I looked to him for a lot. Um, he, as I got older, 
it got more of like headbutting, kind of in a good way. We would just kind of bicker back and forth, but like coming up, like there was a slight fear of my dad, you know, because he was known to pull out the belt if I acted up. But it kept me in line. I mean, I saw my friends that didn't have that same treatment, and I saw the trouble that they would get in. Where me, you know, I'd be sitting there like, yeah, I'm not going to do that because if I get caught, the fun that it's going to be ain't going to be worth right. it. Uh, but I had a really cl close relationship with my dad. And what's uh, crazy is, like, even now, I'm still, like, learning from him. Like, I'll do something or I'll figure something out. And I'm like, dang, this dude is still teaching me stuff. Wow. Uh, we have, how old were you when he passed away? Say it again. How old were you when he passed away? I was 36. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he, um, sorry to hear about that, Marcus. I didn't know. Yeah. That. No, no, it's, no, it's cool. It's uh, it's crazy because it's like uh, I know my uh, I think my brother deal with it like the hardest because he's he's even said he's like I didn't realize, I he, you know what he said he said I didn't realize how close we were until he was gone. Oh. Yeah. You know, it was oh, one of those things, but like we had a we had a good relationship. We, I did look to him for wisdom. Um, I knew he had, you know, he had been through a lot in life, both, you know, ups and downs. And I saw how he took care of our family. Uh, me coming up, being the youngest, and my older brother, older sister, and my mom. And uh, that's who I modeled myself after. You know, of course, I knew that I had to adjust to the generation I was living in versus him. Because as I got right. older, it was apparent, the two different uh, generations. But, yeah, to sum up your question, you know, yeah, we had a good relationship. Okay. Jason, tell me about your relationship with William. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> as you know, Kev, William is not my birth father, my natural father. He is not uh, our dad! I mean, I've been meaning to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why his last name was different. Gosh. <laughs> but it was, um, it, was, it was different, you know. I don't know if we've ever shared this, but because it's for men, I think I'll, I'll, I'll say this here. You know, There's not four men here. I'm a woman. Hi, Les. Oh. Get out. No, I'm playing. <laughs> no, no, no. But this, it's uh, the men's month, but for oh, me. Oh, four men, not the number four. Okay, got you. Never mind. Disregard. Continue. <laughs> Don't edit that out, Greg. Let everybody see just what we go through sometimes. Redacted. You know what I'm saying? You know, as a kid, mom told me uh, at a young age before dad came around that, she was a victim of sexual assault, which is how I was born. And so um, that's how I came to the world. So she, she kept me around. So I was my grandmother's pretty much youngest baby, you know. Yeah. Mom being, you know, 16 years old, 16, 17 years old when she had me. That's, what, that's why I'm close to my godparents now, why they became my godparents because of the situation at the time. So my initial... Um, interaction with dad coming in when I was nine, 10 years old was rough because that was something I, one, I never had. Two, I always looked up to my uncles or my godfather or whatever. So this other man coming in, it was really rough at first. So me and dad clashed a lot because it was just a new normal. Like I didn't want to move to a different house. I wanted to be with my grandma, my aunts and my uncles where I've always been my whole life. So I was, for me, it was very different than probably it was for Kevin and Michelle um, because Michelle was much younger. So uh, it was rough for me at first, but I will say this, through the years, our relationship has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you know, if anybody has met uh, dad, our dad, he is a breath fresher. He's, he's, he's filled with so much wisdom and kindness and thoughtfulness 
And, and so our relationship is great now. I would say coming up, it, it wasn't that way for the things that I mentioned, but I surely do appreciate it now. I mean, I consult him on anything and everything that's going on with me. So, yeah. It's crazy because when we were growing up, the, the narrative wasn't that Jason is first having a dad. It was just Jason is bad. So we're sending him away. <laughs> and like now as I'm older, I'm like, no, actually what's fair is Jason had a different childhood and then you introduce a, a man later and that yeah. wasn't, but you know, me and Michelle were just like, where's your brother? Oh, he was bad. Cause we just remember you acting up or acting out, not you like not understanding the thing. Cause I don't have Melissa. I was telling Melissa about this. I don't have much memory prior to yeah. dad. I know you, Michelle has none and you have, I have yeah. everything. Yeah. 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 My, the person I looked up to the most was Daniel. Um, our uncle Daniel, who was my youngest uncle, my mom's youngest brother, because at the time, you know, that's why I wanted to play football. That's why I played sports, because I watched him right. literally sitting at games on Friday night, watching him play as a young kid. So he was my idol growing up, this and that. So when you go and you introduce this other person that's now supposed to become something that you don't have a natural bond with, mm -hmm. it's really tough. And so a lot of it for me was just acting out from missing my norm. You know what I'm saying? And just like, not what did we, you're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that kind of stuff. But as you, as you learn and grow and understand and, and you realize what this uh, person is bringing to your life and what other people don't have and, and the challenge dad took on as, you know, a, 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 a single young black man with a military career in front of him. And he marries a woman that had three children already, took them in, doesn't have birth children of their own, raised them as their own. So as we get to our age, you really be like, he was this guy. <laughs> he was tripping. I, I like, called him like, down, like, bro. And he was also way younger than way I younger. realized. He yeah. was like 25 or something like that. He was a little kid. He was, and he was small. So he was... He just, man, you know, when, when, when God wants to do something in your life that you don't understand, he's doing things that you don't even imagine. And I, 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 being Kevin said before, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be the person that people might know or Kev wouldn't be the person if we were not taken and he came into our life at the time that he did. So he yeah. means a whole bunch to me. So Marcus, you said something interesting. You said that you had a, a close relationship with your dad but the relationship between father and son was different between you and him than it is between you and your kids because of generation. Totally understand that. But I want you to expound more upon that. Like, how has that affected your fatherhood techniques? Um, it's, uh, for one, it's, uh, what it would help me is the generation that we live in is I was able to do research and I understand now. Of course, I didn't as a kid because I always thought my dad was strict. Oh my yeah. God, he's neat. He's strict. I can't do nothing. Like, drop of a pen, I'm in trouble. But then I realized, okay, he, he grew up in a generation where his dad was much more strict than what he is because his dad grew up in a time where you think they're hard on black men now. It was really bad then. Right. You know, my dad, my dad was born in 1946. So his dad was around during that whole time. So it's like, you know, you come home, you stressed, they'll, they'll feel like the world's falling apart around you and coming down on you. Granted, my dad didn't have as bad as his dad, but he was still dealing with a much more harsh environment than what I was. So now that I know that, I look back on the way I was raised and I'm like, yeah, I see why he was so strict because he wanted to make sure that I acted right. So 
now I'm doing the same to my sons. They probably think I'm strict because I am probably a little strict on them, but I feel like they need to be. I mean, I need to be because they are, um, they're good boys, they're good kids. They don't get into like real bad trouble. Of course, they all still really young. However, I do want to teach them the responsibilities of today's society. Like I'm always preaching to my oldest son, you know, the twins, they don't get it yet, they're just five. But like my 10 year old, I'm always talking to him. And like right now I know, okay, he ain't really paying attention, but I remember all the stuff that my dad used to tell me now. And I'm, I know it's gonna, it's rubbing off on him the same way. If it, if it didn't, I'd be like, oh, it's going in one and out the other. Why am I talking to this boy? Right. But um, in today's society, it's like everything's changing, you know, completely different from when, you know, when we grew up, you know, it's like you look now and like we're filling out paperwork for them to go to school. You see some of these questions, like what? You know, but I'm like, all right, we, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. But it's like, all right, we just in a different time right now. Right. So it's like uh, me is constantly learning and like figuring out, all right, how do I approach him? Like when this is, when he, he hears something like this, how is it, you know, approached versus how it was approached when I was a kid, you know, like right. uh, when we started, you know, Jason was talking about how, you know, you tell your sons, you know, be tough, you know, don't cry. Like, yeah, it's hard to cry. If something hurts, drop a tear, but get over it because it's going to heal. You know, yeah. and that's physical pain as well as emotional pain. Like if you don't get over it, it'll end up being a much more harsh than, you know, the initial wound was. Absolutely. Jay, now you had no uh, relationship with your birth father. How did that, um, actually, we've never even asked you this in all my 37 years, of 36 years of life. Um, will I be 37 when this comes out? Yes. It'll be 37 it, in the next, on Friday, right? It'll come yeah. out the day before. Let's not talk about it. This, this birthday year sucks. That's uh, great. I mean, yeah, it does. Right. <laughs> to be alive? But to be alive is great, but I, I can't go out of town. I can't go eat. But um, I'll, dri I'll drive by and honk my horn. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Jay, for you, how was it like, um, you know, you, you have no recollection, no relationship at all with your birth father. How did that lack of relationship um, affect the way you were you were raised your thought process like how how many times did you think about that you know what what impact did that have on your life man i'm gonna tell you you know i didn't realize how much um it affected me until um a few years before uh our grandfather andre fredericks passed away mm -hmm. and so what happened was um i had went to uh Lubbock, Texas with Ben, Ben Snow. I went to Lubbock, Texas with Ben. And um, there was uh, Paul Kason, who is Ankabi's brother. Mm -hmm. And so one day we were sitting there talking and, um, and he was telling me about him because he, he knew him. They went to, to BT together and whatever. And he was just telling us, he was just telling me about him, like uh, who, what he was like and all that. And when I tell you, he is, he was literally like how we are, like very charismatic, very fun. People loved him. Oh, um, wait, wait, time. Mom knew the person? No, bro. No, I, he's talking about Andre Fredericks. Oh, I thought you were talking about your birth dad. I was like, dude, I didn't, I thought it was a, a stranger. <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay, I'm okay, okay. You're talking about Andre. Yeah, it's this is this is this is what um, uh, Paul Kason. Pass for a minute. Yeah, you you Kevin Kev was about to pass. I out. was about to my skeleton outside of my body. Okay, you're talking about Andre now. Yeah, that yeah. makes yeah, sense. So he's um, 
and, and, and it just, I mean, I'm telling you, Kev, I was just like, my mouth was just, I was just in deep shock. Yeah. Because I've never heard it in that way. And to say that um, we resemble the same characteristics and the entertainment in us and all that kind of thing, singing, preaching around, going around all these different churches, doing everything that he did, um, being a salesman, you know what I mean? Just, just I didn't even know that. Stuff. Man, he was, because he sold Kirby vacuums. And so he used to go around, he was a great, but he said just people just gravitated to him, very magnetic personality. And it just like, man, that really, it hit me really hard. So on my plane ride home, I called uh, Ruth Fredericks, our grandmother. And I just broke down crying, man, because I was just like, I felt like I learned myself, you know, from a different place. And it was very tough. Like, I didn't realize how much I probably needed to hear that and wanted to hear that. And it was just, it was tough to understand and she was just, she, she was just like, it's okay, I understand. And she, she just really listened to me. But I, I, was, I was a ball of tears, man. It was just like something connected to me in a way that it's never happened before. And it just, you just realized like, wow, I wish I knew a little bit more about me, you know, um, and from, a, from a different place. And so uh, it was good. And so I, I, I guess that's how I knew it maybe affected me a little bit more than I thought. Okay. Kev, do you want to answer the same question? Uh, yeah, I think that's good, right? Yeah. It's not for Marcus and Jason only. It's for men. Yeah. It's for me. Uh, all right, Marcus. Okay. <laughs> Before, after. All right. Uh, I feel like for me, it was very interesting. I, I feel like I had the best, have the best dad. Um, Willie D. O'Kelly. Um, I, you know, so much of who I am is because of who he is. The way I feel like he did what he could with the money he had. Like he thought uh, taking his kids to see stuff was very important. Like he took us to the Arlington Memorial Cemetery. And at the time I was like, oh, this is dumb. Don't nobody care about this. <laughs> right. We took us there. Every road trip we took, he'd stop by um, Grambling State University to show us an HBCU. Um, he just always took time to show us stuff. So for me and Liz, I was like, and, and also Ruth was, we were also big on travel. We'd just be turning up though. She was like, we need to go on a cruise. We go to Vegas, we out here in church. You know, but William was always trying to like show us stuff. No money too. Like he showed us, there was a Buffalo farm one time when we were driving to El Paso. But anyway, so with the boys, I'm just doing that version of that with what we have. Uh, as far as my birth father, I feel like not having a relationship with him was probably my first lesson in compressing my feelings. Instead of uh, dealing with that, there was no therapy. There was no, I don't feel like my mom or dad, like because I had a dad, it felt disingenuous to talk about not having a relationship with my birth father. So I just was like, okay, like I don't really complain because I had friends who actually didn't know their dad. And also both my brother and sister didn't know their birth father. So I was just like, ah, I'm gonna just be quiet because at least I know who he is. Um, so I think I just really actually thought about that clearly. That was my first compressed feeling. And that's pretty much how I operate uh, now. I do realize that I learned how to respect women, women from him. Like he never yelled at mom. He loved her unconditionally. She 
she's had uh she's been disabled for the majority of our life she hasn't and i use that term because technically she is disabled she has very poor eyesight but she has never lived her life like that you would not know that unless somebody told you she'd be traveling and stuff she would be going bowling with the other um uh people with the blind what was the thing called jay blind bowling blind bowling <laughs> no what was the program that she used to do that with services for the blind or something like that yeah she, job, she always worked she's the first entrepreneur she's the first creative person she wrote she did plays so me and jay really just followed in her footsteps and um you see that you know the impact a person can have even if they're not your birth father and then finding out from my birth father he was actually uh amazing at sports he he my mom saw him, met him playing basketball. He was dunking and stuff. And I was like, well, I can't dunk. I never could dunk. <laughs> but then also just on the body type thing, I saw him in Alabama later in life. And I was like, ah, this is why I struck. <laughs> That's that G part. He's, he's built just like me from the back. He wouldn't know he's heavier. But uh, from the front, you know, he, he got that belly. Uh, so I feel like not having a relationship with my birth father made me want to be the best father for my kids. And also having a good example of a dad maybe want to be the best father for my kids because I had seen that behavior modeled. And then I just wanted to even improve upon what they did because my parents were working so hard. They missed a lot of stuff in my life. And I was really impacted by that. So I tried not to do that with my kids. But in some ways, I probably end up repeating that same thing because I'd be on the road and stuff like that. So uh, before I get to our next question, I want to take a quick break. Uh, one thing that the guys are talking about that is really important is the, they're talking a little bit, honestly, about their money story and how they were raised and how the impact of their parents' financial situation dictated whether they were able to go on vacation or not. And so what I'm here to do while we're all in quarantine 2020, this is a great opportunity to get your credit together. Building your credit is honestly one of the hardest things to do because in order to build credit, you need to be able to get credit and you can't get credit if you have bad credit. And thus the cycle starts and continues and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. So I want to tell you about self. If you have been followers of Kevin and I for any period of time, I want to say last year, probably like a year ago, um, we did something with self lender. It was wildly successful. People really enjoyed it. They have been rebranded to just self. Self is a credit builder account, which lets you build credit responsibly with no credit check required to start. You get to choose a monthly plan that works for your budget. You build credit history with each on-time payment. Your payments become savings in your name and you get the principal back at the end minus interest and fees. We actually had three or four of our personal friends uh, take advantage of this program, including Josh Gons. And so he can definitely um, provide you, you can hit him up for a personal testimony if you want, but he did have huge success with this program. If you want to get started today and take control of your credit, now is the time and opportunity. Start building your credit history today with Self. Get started in just five minutes at self.inc slash love. That's self, S-E-L-F dot ink. That's I-N-C slash love. Don't wait. Now's the time to do it. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so Marcus, you were 26 when you had your first child. Yes. And Jay, you were 16. 17. 17. Okay, so. And you were? I'm not in this. I was 23? 25. 23. 23. 23. 23. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with you, uh, Marcus. 
Tell me about what that feeling was like when you first found out that Angel was pregnant and you were going to be a dad. Um, well, it's, it's just a funny story because I had, had a feeling that Angel was pregnant for like three weeks. And I kept saying, I think you're pregnant. And I kept saying, she was like, why are you saying that? And I was like, I don't know. For some reason, I feel... I feel I feel the need to be extremely protective of you. Like I'm always worried about you, and I want to protect you. Very, I always wanted to do that, but it's like heightened right now. It's like a yeah. magnified sense of it. And finally, we were home for Christmas one year uh, back in Kentucky, and she was like, "Just to shut you up, I'm gonna go get a pregnancy test. <laughs> <laughs> just to shut you up. I, I would know if I was pregnant. I'm like, all right, I'm letting you know you're pregnant. You sounded just <laughs> like her right there. I would know if I was pregnant. I am. <laughs> yeah. So she came out of that bathroom and she was just like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> so then we uh, we were at work. I was at work and then she like went to the doctor to like confirm everything. And then from there, it was all fear because this wasn't in our game plan. You know, that we had a master plan and this went way left field. We're like, what do you mean you're pregnant? So we were just like, so starting off, it was like just a thing of fear. Like it was like we telling people, we telling our parents, like, you know, my parents, her mom is like, we all, not in a good mood. They all like, celebrating and excited. And my mom actually laughed at it. She was like, yeah, what you mean y'all not ready? Like, she thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> oh my God, they, they scared. Ha, ha. I'm like, what are you laughing at? Nothing to laugh about. They got scared. Ha, ha. Like, I I need to do. like, we don't know what to do with no child. So, um, so that's what it was. But it, like, once he was born, it was like a, it's like a, right off the top, like, as soon as he came out, it was like this huge, like, I was so proud of him. Like, he had just saved the world or something. It was like this big, this massive, like, there he is. It's so how did you say that wasn't part of your plan? My bad. Um, you said that wasn't part of your plan. What What was the plan time for you guys to have kids? Man, we don't know. We was young and dumb. We have no idea. We just know we wasn't, didn't want a child yet. If, if that was the case, we probably still wouldn't have children if we was going on our plan. <laughs> That's true. Jay, what about like you? The, the whole thing, like you want to be somewhere like financially, like we weren't, we want to be right. financially. We all say that and nobody even knows exactly right. how, how much money saved. Yeah, you will never have enough saved. We could have $3 million in the savings account alone. It's like, yeah, we ain't ready for no child. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jay. Man, I was, I was scared. Uh, super scared. We were church kids. I was. So, <laughs> we were church kids so man like oh my god like my my I, I was so fearful you know how you're just scared and you don't I just started cleaning up like god <laughs> Woo! I, I I'll do everybody's laundry <laughs> just, like, who would have thought the bottom of this kitchen table would get so dirty <laughs> Man, I just was cleaning. Yeah, out here vacuuming the grass. Like, what are you doing? It's just the grass is loose out here. Let me just. Man, I've never cleaned like that in my life. I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was 16 at the time. I was a, I think I was a junior. Cause I, I had her. We had Kendra. I, my senior year, she was a baby going into like football season and stuff. So. Man, I was so scared. I was I was worried about disappointing everyone, the backlash of it, the um, just all those things. And it and it wasn't even a month. It was just like 
forget taking care of the kid. Like, I just don't want the repercussions of people knowing that I made that mistake. You know what I'm saying? Because then in, in church kid world, you're just outcast. That My was our people. whole life at the time. You know what I mean? At the time, that's our whole life. You know, we're still going to church, you know, eight days a week. You know what I'm saying? And, and twice on Sunday, sometimes three times. So it's just like all those people and you're supposed to, you know, uphold this standard and then you fall into that it's just like the pressure of that um is is crazy so i i was just i was just very fearful i remember when they were talking to me about it like we were so scared we kept it a secret just because we were scared to say anything yeah. for months i mean months i'm talking about like well how many months is she well she's having the baby tomorrow so. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy man so I was just fearful I was I was fearful I was I mean of course I'm not ready to be a father I'm not in a position to be a father I don't have anything other than sperm to provide and that's all I provided <laughs> so it was it, it was rough considering what it really takes to raise a child yeah Jay was so scared Marcus he had oh, me God. tell my mom for him yeah I was I was 13 I was, mind you, I was still, I was still playing with toys. I'm, I play with toys for till late in life. So I'm like, you know, he calls and he's like, tell mom I'm pregnant. I mean, I was like, what? He was like, tell mom I'm pregnant. I was like, why, why don't you tell her? Like, I feel like I'm going to get whooped by, you know, association. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. yeah. He didn't, Jay didn't live with us at the time. We lived in North Carolina at the time and he was living in Texas. I was in Texas. Yeah. I Until called him. I said, yeah. I, I told him, I said, tell mom I got a girl pregnant. And he said, and he did like that. He said, what? I said, tell mom I got a girl pregnant. Just tell her and tell her what she said. Okay, bye. <laughs> it was literally like that. And then, I was like, hey, mom, you know, hey, good to see you. Hope everything's well. Uh, Jason got a girl pregnant. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm going to be with you. And her face turned red like I did it. And honestly, Jay, you getting a girl pregnant in high school was probably the best Thing to happen to me personally because I was just like, yeah, I just don't want to go down that road. <laughs> right. I, I was just like, bro, I'm going, I don't want to have none of that. Um, when I found out Melissa was pregnant, we were in the smallest, I felt like our apartment might not have been bigger than this room. <laughs> this thing oh, 56 in Orchard? Orchard, Orchard Street. Orchard Street. It was our first apartment. This is the dungeon. Downstairs. Downstairs. You parked in the parking lot and walked under the earth. <laughs> no window. The window of this is a bedroom. Half of it was the dirt of the like beauty bar thing. Oh. And I remember I used to have to put my cell phone on the windowsill to get service, right? So we're in the tiniest apartment in the history of the world. The rent was 565. I do miss that. And um Melissa took a dollar store pregnancy test. She had got a whole bunch because we had heard that you will never get a false negative. negative. If you're pregnant, it'll be pregnant from the dollar store to, you know, Walmart or whatever. If it's, if it's, Everybody goes to the dollar store for pregnancy test. <laughs> just, in case, just in case you ain't pregnant, you didn't waste no money. Right, right. right. So she took probably about three tests. And then we took, we were like, okay, you know what? That's three in a row positive. Let's go to CVS and get the real, get the real thing. Cause if you know, let's get the EPT one. Right. Cause I don't know about the dollar. Got that. 
And it was it was it was positive, and I never forget this. Melissa started crying. She went into our bedroom, which was the size of the bathroom, <laughs> closed the door, and started crying. And I called my brother. Now, I, Jay was the first person I called. I was like, this is pregnant. This dude said, your jumper hit, baby, cat. That jumper, <laughs> your jumper hit. What's crazy is I didn't really have any fear. Right. By this time in our life, all of our friends had kids. Jay, by the time we had kids, probably had three. Five. Four. Okay. Five? No. Probably. Ken, Chris, Jay. Ken, everybody was born. Yeah, because Juju and Zay Zay the same year. Yeah. Right. So you had four. Yeah, I had everybody. Uh, Melissa's younger sister, Nick, had a kid. Um, Aunt had a kid. So me and Melissa, believe it or not, we were the last of our friend group to have kids. Yeah. Everybody else already had kids. So I knew that we at least had two incomes. We were going to be straight. We were both working at the bank. Mind you, that was the first time we went from counting our salary by dollars to by year. I remember Liz made 35000 a year. And I was 30, like, my first job. 30? 30. I was like, bro, you don't. Our verses? At, uh, no. At Key? Key Bank. Management. Well, we got that key. We had made it. <laughs> we got that key bank. And I was at Bank of America. This is prior to the housing crisis. Yep. So this was still things were still good then because I barely made the paternity leave at Bank yeah, of America yeah. by like like three weeks. So um, I was not fearful in the sense of like money, and I always wanted kids. I never talked about it openly because it was like a girly thing to do. But I loved kids. I worked with kids prior to that job. My last job before that was working at Bank Care. Yeah, and I was like, bro, I, I got nieces and nephews everywhere. So yeah. I want my own kids. You know. And I and it was it was great, man. Fear came in when Melissa was giving birth, and she had some traumatic uh, complications. She had uh, preeclampsia, and her uh, her her organs, her her blood pressure started to shut down. Her organs started failing. They didn't tell me all this. Sorry, sorry, my bad. And so they didn't tell me how bad it was until she had already given birth. And I was like, man, why y'all ain't tell me? Like, man, what? Yeah. What does it matter if you know how bad it could be? Like, it is going to be what it is. We didn't want to stress you out. So I was like, all right. And when they gave me the baby, Melissa woke up. And she was like, is it cute? And I was like, yeah. She's like, ah. And then she was basically asleep for five days. And I had Zay by myself. And the thing is, man, the nurses, bro, I had more training on, to, to put burgers in a broiler at Burger King than I had to hand that baby. They literally was like, huh? And they closed the door. They gave me little, little infamil things. And uh, and I was on my own. I remember that first poop with meconium, it looked like crude oil. I was like, oh yeah. God, this is just, what is this? Because I never had a baby that early. You know, when I was changing my homies, Babies, it was regular doo-doo. This was like, all the merchants were like, oh, it's okay, that's that, that crude oil. You know, he, he ain't really got nothing in there, it's just crude oil. It's like meconium. Yeah. <laughs> See, so, uh, that was one of, our, one of our fears when uh, finding out, one of the bigger fears, because I heard y'all's story is me, us finding out she's pregnant and us being in California by ourselves. Like, oh, the closest, that's a long way. Relative, yeah, the closest relative is in, you know, Kentucky somewhere or, yeah, Kentucky. I mean, it's yeah. 
So is this the end of our California thing? Because this ain't going to work, you know? Oh, I didn't <laughs> it's crazy. About that. Yeah. Well, no, we, we weren't, but it was just like, it was a fear. It was like, all right, we, and we bought, we, it was crazy. I look back how stupid we were. We were already in a house. Like, we bought a house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was working. She was working. And she was actually making, yeah, she was, actually, I think she was still on the yard. Yeah, she was still on the yard when it was going down. So we were just like, what are we going to do? Oh my God, we got it. Now I look back like, stupid. <laughs> you don't know you're stupid at the time though you just you just no, no, you don't. going day by day so um yeah i i feel like i was i was i was in heaven uh when we found out she was pregnant and even more so i want to since i went into it a little bit what was y'all first thought when you first held that baby that was yours like what what was that emotion um yeah for me like i said it was like just pride like i just feel so proud of him and it's like i'm sitting there holding him and it's like the, the fear was there, but it was like very small. Then the pride was like through the roof. And I don't know why. It's just like, all right, this dude just ran his second marathon. He crossed the finish line. It's like, I don't know if that was how exhausted he was coming out of the birth canal, but that's how it feels like. <laughs> this dude, that's the only thing I can remember is like how proud I was of him. And then uh, a couple of days later, it was just like, all right. Um, so I feel like I'm still a child at this point. How do I teach this boy how to be a man? Like <laughs> That's the thing that about it, parenthood is so abrupt. It's like being in a car accident. Like once that baby's out, you are a parent and then you are never not a parent again. Like you, your kids are alive and you will have some sort of relationship with them forever. And I remember asking my dad, like, when do you stop worrying about them? He was like, oh, you never stop worrying. When they're young, it's, are they gonna sleep through the night? I remember me and Melissa used to take turns going in there, check his breath. What about SARS? He go hit the SARS. Is he wrong? Yeah, or Sid? Sid. Sid. I don't remember if it's on the back. I used to get confused if it was the back or the stomach that they should be laying on. It changes what? every year. Still, I was gonna say that too. It changes every year. <laughs> they, they don't know. They have no idea. No, right? They don't. We used to go check and put our hand under their nose, make sure they're breathing and stuff. Uh, yeah. Jay, what was it like when you heard that? You heard that little baby. Man, you know. It was, uh, if, if, at the time, I'm still scared because I still have to take the baby to see Ruth Jean Fredericks. Yeah. Ruth Jean is our grandmother. Yeah, it, it, the thing about it is, is that it's, it's scared of not being accepted. Mm -hmm. The baby, I'm happy. Like, you know, this, man, this is the baby. Like, yeah. this is the baby. Like, this is the baby. <laughs> I made you like, oh my God, like look at you, all that, all that kind of stuff. But on the on the other side of it, it was the fear of not being accepted because this is my family. You don't want to not be accepted by your family for again feeling like you did something wrong. So I was I was afraid there. But you know, the good thing is about babies is is that you you just love a baby. So when you see the baby, you can be upset about the deed, but when you actually see the life and know that you have to take care of that person and that person's gonna need help, I think that's what happened with her. So it made my life at ease. But then just, you know, having a baby, it's, it, it, it's I hate to say it's fun, but it, it's, it's, there's the ride of like, I have this baby and I gotta take care of the baby. And you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a different feeling. And I think every parent can kind of understand that part of it. So, but my initial thing, I love Kendra with all my heart, but at the same time, I, I just wanted her to be accepted by the people that I love the most too. Right. So, 
one thing that I find really interesting is that you guys are all kind of talking about how you feel so ill-prepared upon becoming a parent and you're all at different stages of your relationship. So Marcus is saying he, or in life, you're 26, Kev's 23, um, and Jason is 17. And no matter what, I mean, that's almost a 10 year age gap from the youngest yeah. to the oldest and you still don't feel prepared. We all wish that there was a right. book that you could yeah. read uh, or an audio book that you can listen to about parenting. And I want to tell you about Audible. Why? Because they probably do have an audio book for you to listen to. You guys know I'm a fan of Audible. I have a book club of more than 5,000 women. Is it 5,000? Yes. Nice. We just did a 5,000 um, giveaway for all of the women that are in the book club. Shout out to the Boo Hive. And we talk about everything and we discuss the uh, audio book every single month. And for the month of May, we are going to be listening to Little Fires Everywhere. It is a hit show. I've nominated this to be our audio book for the month of May. If you want to join, make sure you click in the comments um, to join my book club and get online and listen with us. Audible is phenomenal. They are friends of the podcast. We are all familiar with who they are. They are the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. I love them. We use them every single month for my book club. But I also want to tell you something that they are launching, which is very special, especially during these times with the COVID-19, where we're all social distancing and there are school closures and people need an opportunity to relax, stay entertained, and most importantly, we need an opportunity to connect with their families and show love to one another. And that is why audible.com slash stories was started. It's a place where anyone anywhere can stream hundreds of titles, no strings attached, and it is completely Free. The titles are suitable for the whole family to listen to. So cuddle up on a Friday or Saturday night for some great family time. You can sit there, turn on audible.com slash stories and have a great time with your family. I think that's so important and definitely needed during times like this. What do you need to know about this? Number one, it is free. Number two, there's no limit to how much content you can stream. We uh, Audible Stories intends to offer this for as long as they can, as long as the current situation continues. You can access it from smartphones, tablets, laptops, and desktops. Um, and it is a streaming only site. You can download Audible titles to a library. So what you need to do is go to audible.com slash stories. One more time, you're simply going to go to audible.com slash stories or text stories. That's S-T-O-R-I-E-S to 500-500. Put this on your calendar for some family time over the weekend. Simply go to audible.com slash stories. I hope you all enjoy. All right. So we all know that Mother's Day is around the corner. I cannot believe it. And what makes this especially difficult and kind of challenging this year is that we are all Social, social distancing. And so you may not have the opportunity to spend Mother's Day with your mother. My mother is actually in North Carolina and I will not be able to see her, which is totally a bummer. But I want to tell you about StoryWorth, which is something that is phenomenal and allows the stories that your mother has told 
told you or hasn't told you just yet to be captured in a book for you to have and share with your kids forever and always. It is a beautiful memorial in which StoryWorth emails your mother, your dad, whoever, and sends them a prompt question every single week and that person responds with a story. At the end of the year, all of those stories are bound in a beautiful hardcover book that you can place on your coffee table or anywhere. It's just a beautiful keepsake. It's almost like scrapbooking, but like without you having to do the work. I think this is a beautiful gift and a great opportunity to connect with your family beyond just today. It is something that will eventually be a gift even to your kids, for them to have memories and those stories of your mother and father for years and years to come. I think this is so great and such a cute idea. Give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shopping by going to storyworth.com slash love and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash love for $10 off your first purchase. And please, if you decide to do this, I love when people take advantage of um, our podcast partners. And so if you decide to do this and um, move forward, please tag me and the Love Hour podcast in your post because I would love to see your book come to life. Again, you're going to go to storyworth.com slash love. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. One more time, that's storyworth.com slash love for $10 off. I can't wait to see these come to life. And I can't wait to give my mother this book as well. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the show. So, um, Marcus, you're coming to this part of your life. Me and Jay, Jay's been here for a while. I'm getting there. Uh, what is it like, Jason, to raise children as they decide to do what they want to do, which is not necessarily what you want them to do. And you have to let them make their own choices. It's hard, man. Um, because uh, my my oldest daughter, wh- what month is this? April, May. April. She'll April. be 23. She'll be 23. She will be. Um, and that's, that's Amir's mom, Kendra. Um, and then there's Kristen and Joshua. They're they're both 21. Kayla and Jason are both 18. Jason's 16. Julian is 14. And so they have. This is crazy to say, but they're people right. and they're adults and they have their own mindset and they have their own life. So and they have your stubborn blood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly that. And they're. You, your, your role shifts as a parent and you're more in, in, in an advisory role mm-hmm. and they, and you still, and there's still a lot of respect there. They, they tend to, their respect for you changes and then your advice to them changes. So you don't want, you don't want to see them go down a path of mistakes, but then you also understand, sorry, I shook my desk. You also understand how necessary it is for sometimes you have to go and make your own mistakes. Mm. And, and I think for me as a parent, even time the same, when we were talking about it, it's like, you don't have to let them get so far that they can't come back from it, mm. but they do need to go far enough to understand what you were trying to explain to them 
sometimes you literally have to say, it's cold outside, it's cold outside, wear your jacket, wear your hat, wear your this. And then I'm good. You know, kids, they're never cold. They're never hot. They're, it's, it's snowing outside. I'm, I'm fine. You have a wife beater on. How? It's, it, there's, Julian, that's, you go outside, go outside. Then it's like, keep your jacket on you. All those just lessons. You keep saying that. Then it's like, some of it is like, you know what? Go outside and die. <laughs> that way, you know what? Now that you're dead, now you understand what I'm trying to tell you. So come back inside and go get your jacket. You know what I mean? So it's like, you, you have to allow them to do that. So you'd be like, that's why they're saying that. That's why they're saying do it like this. A part of life is, is, is learning the lesson in it. I can't, sometimes I can't give you the lesson every time because you're not going to see it. And, and part of it is, uh, of life is going out and making the mistakes. And so I'm, I'm in that role a lot. But so you go from the CEO to the board of directors. Yeah. And it's, but it's, they, um, when you want, what I'm also learning with my older kids is that when they want something, they also say, how do I get here? Mm-hmm. And then they have to also realize that there is a work and a progress it is to get somewhere because they might, it, it's really difficult to, I mean, Kevin, Mark, we all understand like, Kevin, you talked about your apartment downstairs that was probably big as a hotel room suite, you know what I mean? And you guys live there, but we look at all of our homes now, like we did not start there. Right. And so we just got here last week. (laughs) Right. But what I'm saying is like, I've had a home and lost a home. I've had probably more than people. I've lost more than people had, you know what I mean? In in life. And so, but with your kids, you're trying to, they'll come and they'll look at your stuff and be like, man, you know, I want this one day, but you also have to explain to them. It takes a certain thing to get there. And I think that's where the, you know what, let me listen to them a little bit comes in. So being on the board of directors is, is a good thing. Um, and then understanding that, hey, sometimes I got to let you go out and do your thing. You know what I mean? And not to take up too much of the time. I remember my daughter was buying her first car and she really wanted my help and I was going to do everything and, and I was showing her everything. And then um, she went off and got a car payment anyway. And I was like, I didn't yell at her. I didn't make, I was like, Tam was like, oh my God, why don't you do that? And I was like, I know, I know. I said, we were both feeling the same way, but at the same time, I was like, hey, you know what? You gotta learn. You, not, in, not that it's, you, made, you didn't make a mistake. You didn't do anything wrong. You went and bought what you wanted to buy, but you also have to now take care of this. Now you have to have X amount of dollars per month and insurance per month. And now you have to, you put yourself in a position that now I have to go do this all the time. I wanted it different for her, but she had to want that for herself. And I have to understand that it's my role as a parent to just, I understand, I gave you the information. Now you're going to take that and do what you like, you know, so. Yeah. Hmm? That's good. No, that's, that's great. I think for me, the first thing in our life that is that Jay has adult children. So me, Marcus, and Jay are like in various stages of the same path of life. Isaiah and Joe probably this year have made their first decisions of their own. Joe's first decision was, I don't want to play soccer anymore. Me and Melissa were like, wait, no, we'll tell you. We'll tell you. I was about to die. Nah, he was, he, he didn't want to play soccer anymore, mainly because his soccer practice is about 40 minutes with traffic from the house. So on soccer practice days, two days out the week, he basically has to rush home from school, 
throw some food in his mouth, change clothes, and go to soccer practice. And then he's not home till like 7.30. Basically, he comes home from there, takes a shower, eat, homework, go to bed. Isaiah is a slob and doesn't have to do any of that. So he's never in a rush. He stays home. He eats, takes a shower for as long as he wants. So Joe is basically like, I ain't going to be doing all this. So he's like, I don't want to play soccer. So me and Melissa are like, man, dang, you are amazing at soccer. You could get a scholarship to go to college for soccer. You can do whatever. And you're just good. Like, you should be doing it. And we don't want you sitting around doing nothing. But we're realizing we have to let our kids make their own decisions. So Melissa's like, all right, if you don't want to go. Now, the other part of this is like, man, not having to go to soccer practice is not that, that bad, right? I'll miss the games, but practice is trash. We talking about practice? Practice? Ain't nobody trying to go. It's cold out there, and we don't even be outside. Just when we open the door to let them in, it's like, all right, close it, close it. It's cold, right? So at the last second, because we're telling her, all right, you're not going to play. But once you decide, like, the season starts, you miss the registration, you can't play. You can't change your mind. Period. Last second, Jay, Marcus, maybe two days, he's like, I think I want to play still. So we're like, yes, right? But then um, his second thing was he's like, I don't like this school. I want to go to a dude's school. I don't want to go to this school. This school's unfair. All the kids are bad. He basically was like, middle school is the ghetto. Do not recommend real stars. <laughs> not, not, right? Yeah. So that was, and we were like, are you okay being away from your brother? He's like, it's not that I want to be away from him, but I don't want to go to this school, right? Now, Isaiah, we moved to this, you know, nicer neighborhood. We like, we, actually, before we even moved here, there's a school for the arts in our, near our old house. And we like the girls, Karen's daughters went there. It's great. Like performing arts, creative arts, computer, I mean, everything, right? And Zay's super creative. We're like, we want you to go to this school. He's like, ah, ah, but my friends. We're like, yeah, man, but also college. This dude did research. He was like, came back the next day. Actually, my school scores higher in college placement than any of the schools you guys are recommending. So yes, they might have good curriculum currently, but what's the point of a high school? To prepare you for college? And his school really does. And Melissa's like, ah. Now we're in this neighborhood, and he really don't want to do it. And it's like, we want you to have the like some sort of uh, semblance over your life, right? Ownership over your life, agency over your life. Even little stuff in the summer, like, do you want to go to your grandma's house? Do you want to stay here? What do you want to do? And they don't have to do the same thing. They were going to go, one wanted to go to Melissa's mom's house, one wanted to stay home and go to soccer camp. So that was a whole big deal. it was a whole thing and like creating their own people. And this is the first step where we're getting pushed out from like, because we want them to become their own men. Because one thing that I saw this tweet, I feel like it's really indicative of what parenthood is. You are not creating copies of yourself. You are you are charged with creating the best versions of your children that they can be. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be what you can be. So Marcus, tell me what it is for you. Cause I know you got younger kids, but personal children's personalities are developed very early in life. Like Jojo's been who he's been from the moment, from the he, moment he could walk. He had an attitude at times six months old. From the moment he yeah. came out. I don't want to eat. I won't. Whoop me, don't whoop me. I still will not do what you want me to right. do. And matter of fact, if you're going to whoop me, just get it over with because it's still not going to change anything. Right. And that's how it is. If you tell JoJo eat dinner or go to bed, he'll be like, I'll go to bed. I'll go to bed for three days before I eat what I don't want to eat. He just can't be bribed. He can't be punished. He's like, He's like we're both wasting our time here. Just let me do what I do. <laughs> let me do what I'm going to do. 
He be sitting in his room in the dark. We're like, turn the lights on, turn, open the sun. He's like, I don't want to. <laughs> Why? Because I like it dark. It drives me insane. I want to add on to your question, uh, Mark, or Kev's question to you, Marcus, because you have twins. Right. I imagine really trying to develop individual personalities uh, is probably an even mm. bigger charge because you are dealing right. with twins. Yeah. So with the oldest, um, where I'm starting to see that, okay, I got have to let him make his way is he likes to, he likes doing basketball and track. He likes doing those both, but he's the type of kid where he wants to be good at it. He aspires to be good, but he doesn't want to put in the work. And I think that's part of this newer generation where they wanted their nose, you know, stuck to a tablet or some device, you know, electronic the whole time instead of putting in the actual work. So I have to show him examples of you see your friends, how good they are. Those times where I'm telling you to go outside and practice, you could be doing that over you know, looking at your Nintendo Switch. Or all this. So we started yeah. just taking away yeah. your devices. So even in track, we uh, he, he like wants to be a sprinter. Like, I want to be a sprinter. I'm like, dude, you're not a sprinter. If you want to be a sprinter, you got to work hard at that. You are a distance runner. You have the wind of a freaking, uh, I don't know, what's, uh, a wolf. You know, that they can run for miles and miles and miles and not get tired. Like, you naturally have that because your mom has it and your grandmother has it. You don't have to be no eight-mile runner, but you can you know, run the 800. That's a good race for you. It is. So Still sprinting. Mm -hmm. let, letting, um, letting him figure that out and, like, coming to the point to where, like, okay, you want you want to you want to be a sprinter? I'm gonna put you out there with the sprinters. Yeah, you, you behind, ain't you? <laughs> no, 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 we're running up. You behind, ain't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, next week we're gonna put you up there with the sprint. You wanna do the 100? No, we're gonna put you in the 100. Don't feel too good, does it? Wow. Yeah, let's get you over here. Yeah, once you get good at that 800, you can go back and do 100. All you want and probably beat some people. Right. But you need to focus on that 800. Um. So seeing him do that and like trying to figure out, okay. What is it that you're into? Because I'm to the point, like, my dad told me, okay, this is what you need to do. Me, I'm like, what do you like to do? Because yeah. whatever it is, I'm going to tell you is at a young age, whatever it is you like to do, that's what you're going to do for a living, and you're going to love it, and you will never work a day in your life. Right. And that's what I'm trying to instill in him, because that wasn't instilled in me, but like I said, it was a different generation that my dad was bringing me up in. But with the twins... I oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm going to answer Melissa's question now. With the twins, it... Um, they're completely like polar opposites when it comes to a lot of different things. Um, that just, I, it's kind of hard to tell. Like Kai, Marcus, can I ask you a question? How old yeah. are the twins? Five. They're five. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I call them the dark skin and the light skin one. <laughs> Kai, he's the uh, he's the hands-on one. He like he looks at the things. He's always got something. Like, you can always see the gears turning in his head. Where Sai, um, I still ain't figured Sai out yet. I don't know. He's the one, he has no fear of me. That's the one that don't fear me. Like, he will try. He's going to be the first one to try me, I know. Um, <laughs> I actually, him out. And he has no like, fear of me. I'm also afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he, he's already tried me a couple times. But he's the one. He uh, He's very caring of, like, his family. Like, his little brother, like, Amar. He's all about Amar. He, he, he's all about him. Like, wakes up in the morning, he checks on him. Plays with him all day. He wants to tuck him in at night. He's like that type of little brother. Ooh. Where Kai, he's just kind of watching on the sidelines. Like, all right, I see what you're doing. <laughs> but uh, they just trying to learn their personalities and what it is that they're into. That's that's it's not challenging yet. I got a feeling it's gonna get there because like once they get to where my oldest is, it's like, all right, who's gonna want to do what? Like, what type of learner yeah. are you? They're already different learners. We see that like Kai, he more he learns more like me. Where 
Sai is more the, uh, he's, he's like the traditional learner, I guess, so, so to speak. So where Kyle, we have to do, put a little more work into figuring out how he learns his, the, the best. Mm -hmm. um, he's extremely intelligent. He remembers things. He can remember something from three years ago. I'm like, dude, how do you remember that? Like, he'll sit there and talk wow. about it. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, all right, he's, he's definitely got a gift, but we just, we're in the process of, because me, I was the same way. It's like, can't nobody figure out how to learn. I'm just going to be slow until I figure it out. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When we had Isaiah, super easy baby, super easy child, just easy. Ate everything he's supposed to eat, go to bed when he's supposed to go to bed. So Melissa, had Joe. Melissa Jr. Yeah. yeah. So we had Joe. I was like, oh, we're just going to have two of these. And Joe came out like, forget what y'all thought it was. I'm going to set the world on fire. I'm never going to eat what you want me to eat. I'm never going to sleep when you want me to sleep. I hate my hair. I'm going to let my hair grow long. I hate haircuts. Isaiah never cried at one haircut. Jojo never not cried at one <laughs> oh haircut. Oh, my God. You, you would think you were stabbing his scalp with knives. I gave them both their first haircut. Yes, Isaiah read a newspaper when you cut his hair. <laughs> he had his legs crossed, Wall Street Journal, with glasses on. They say, when did you get glasses? Oh, I just need them for the paper. Josiah. And here's the other thing, though. Even temperament-wise, I am super competitive. Isaiah was very athletic when he was young. Still very athletic. No, super athletic. Super athletic doesn't have a competitive bone in his body like Melissa Fredericks. Nothing about this girl. If you lose, you should be mad. <laughs> Melissa, never mad. Isaiah, we were playing flag football in Washington. Isaiah had his hands in his pockets. And I'm like, me and Jay were coaching the team, and at this age, you could be on the field. I'm like, Zay, we're on defense. If your guy catches the ball, take the flags out. His guy catches the ball. He runs next to him. This kid scores a touchdown. I'm like, what are you doing? Why you didn't take the flag out? He was like, it is cold outside of this. I'm not taking my hand out of my jacket. So he lines up the next time. I'm like, all right, Zay, get serious. He's in front of the other kid like, I'm like, Zay, come on. He's like, I am coming on. <laughs> right? Josiah, when you try to put him in soccer as a three-year-old, he would not go in the game. He would be kicking the ball on the sideline. They would tell him, hey, go in. He'd be like. We used to call it turn it off. He'd turn off. Turn off, stand still. He is so competitive. They used to play on the same soccer team for one, for one year. Isaiah was probably nine at the time, playoff game. They're losing. Josiah is crying because he's looking at the clock and he's like, man, we're not going to win. Isaiah, we're crying. Isaiah is standing in the, the shaded shade. part of the soccer field, not going to get the ball. We're like, Zay, what are you doing? He was like, it is hot over there. That was one of my I, twins. I had one of my twins. Not because out of this corner, bro. It is hot. I did not sign up for this. Y'all put me in this. I didn't sign up for this work, right? So they're told, like, they're like your, your kids, Marcus. Like, if you didn't know they were brothers, they have nothing about them would let you even know that they're related. The only thing that makes them related is that they have the same last name and they live in the same house. You know, they both eat a lot, and luckily, they're eating healthy, especially because in the house now, we have Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is, a, is an amazing health food company. My son, Jojo, is a big fan. He takes all the smoothies. I, I have a smoothie on delivery, and they just started adding food as well. I've been tripping during the quarantine. Marcus and Jay, you guys are both in great shape. That is not my testimony. Um, I'm actually glad we have Daily Harvest because I just decided to get my act together again today. And one of the reasons I struggle so much with eating right is because I don't have the time. I don't want to make the time. And Daily Harvest is amazing because it's prepackaged bowls 
for you. All you have to do is prepare them, the smoothies, the bowls. Right now, after this podcast, I'm going to have the, the mulberry and dragon fruit bowl. I mean, blueberry, raspberry, oats, dragon fruit. And then tomorrow for lunch, I'm going to have a sweet potato and wild rice hash bowl. Already pre-positioned, uh, pre, uh, what's the word? Portion. Pre-portioned, because you know I be eating too much. And that's one of the things that's amazing about Daily Harvest. They have delicious options for any time of day, smoothies, soups, harvest bowls, flatbreads, and more. My personal favorite smoothie is the chocolate blueberry one. It's fantastic. You simply add um, coconut water or coconut milk or that's it, right? Mm -hmm. um, add it, blend it, and voila, you have a smoothie. Daily Harvest never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial ingredients. They work directly with farms and they freeze organic fruits and vegetables at peak ripeness to lock in nutrients and taste. Daily Harvest is committed to minimizing their environmental impact. They're in the process of transitioning to 100% compostable, recyclable packaging and are over 50% of the way there already. Congrats to them. Uh, go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code LOVE, love to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code LOVE. love $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Again, dailyharvest.com. Com, and don't forget promo code love for $25 off your first box. Uh, this was really a, a really rich conversation. I think I want to end it with just, you have one thing? No, I have one more thing. I'll go for it. So one thing I want to talk about for us as black men, fathers of black men, there we go. what are some of your concerns? I remember the first time I really had to parent my black sons was when I was uh, walking outside with Joe, he had a hoodie on, actually both the boys. Mm -hmm. And I, I took my hoodie off and told them to take their hoodies off. And they were like, why, it's, it's cold. And I had to tell them about Mike Brown, tell them about Tamar Rice, Trayvon and Martin. Uh, Trayvon Martin. We had to have conversations about that and explain to them that how they see the world and how people see them and understanding that the way people perceive them is not necessarily the way they are, but understanding that perception is, is likely detrimental to your survival and your health. And letting them know that if the police are called and you are there, the way that another kid is gonna be treated by the police is not the same way you're gonna be treated. So it was very hard for them to understand. They're like, bro, I'm just cold. I'm wearing a hoodie because I'm cold. What are you talking about? Everybody has hoodies on. I'm like, bro, you, you know, not bro, but son, you know, you gotta understand. So uh, uh, what are you doing, Marcus, with young, young sons? And then Jay, I wanna hear what you're saying because your sons are, older and some are even men. Um, it's crazy because we literally had the, I think a lot of fathers are having to do this, uh, fathers of color is, I had the identical conversation with little Marcus. Um, I just had to explain to him, like, especially because you can't, it can't be ignored. You see it everywhere. It's on the news. Um, you know, and especially for him, it's like going to school and everything. Like they go to school, everybody's so innocent. But I had to explain to him, like, this is how you're viewed. And right. Even, even the history on it. Like, this is how when people see you, when we see you, when your family sees you, people that know you see you, they see little Mark. They see this sweet little innocent guy right. who likes to smile, likes to play. However, when other people see you that don't know you, depending, and it is depending on how you're dressed, depending on who you're around, depending on where you are, what time of day, you are feared. And yeah. people with the authority to carry weapons will use those against you because of their fear. Why is that? And I went through the whole explanation of it. I was like, yeah. I, and I was, as I was saying it, I was like, 
feels like he's a little young for this, but he's not because he's, he's not right. Yeah, he's, he's, Tamar Rice was age. twelve. Yeah, yeah kids his age are tall. becoming victims to murderers. You know, they're becoming yes. victims to murderers at that age, and it's ridiculous. Um, and I, to, uh, you know, I explained to him. I was like, you know, and I explained the situation that I've been in. You know, I've been harassed by the police. I've been pushed on the ground, gun shoved to the back of my head by the police just because we were sitting in a parking lot. What were we doing? Sitting on my friend's car. What was my friend? on the hood of his car sitting beside me and we got targeted by police at, in the middle of a college parking lot. They made their way through everybody else there and came straight to us. And uh, just tell them situations like that and it's like you have to conduct yourself in a certain way. You have to be able to read the situation before it becomes a situation. You know, if you, yeah. if you get older, if you guys are going out to the movies or you guys are doing something, Think about all the possibilities before making a move. You know, it's like, you know, teaching them to play chess with life, basically. Right. You know, and um, and it's sad because it's like, you know, other uh, fathers are having, you know, birds and the bees. And it's like, no, we're having, teaching our kids on how not to get shot. Before and, and you, we, we had that, I had that conversation with my sons before I told them about sex. Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt like that was more imperative to their survival it was, it was later, maybe a year, yeah. year and a half later, but that how the world sees you and stuff and how, you know, uh, people will call the police on you before they will call right. people and the police will treat you different. So understand yeah. how you have to interact with police. It was like, it was too much. Right. But we had to do it. I had a conversation. I had a conversation with him. He was probably about eight. Wow. We didn't have the sex talk until he was like, nah, yeah, nine and a half, ten yeah. or something like that. It's like, it's a conversation that has to be had. You got to prioritize. You have a okay. baby out of wedlock at 16, at least you'll be alive. You don't understand how the police see you. We, we, we're having a whole different conversation. Right. right. Jay? Man, I'll just say this. Uh, it's scary, man. It is. It's, it's scary and it's hard. And there's, there's no, just like when the, the, the baby is born, there's no rule book or there's no way to do it. Um, Julian, and actually in, in school, we watched this movie was uh, The Hate You Give, but they're actually reading it in school. Um, so, which is really, I think, kind of cool. But at the same time, it's just for me, and this is what I was saying in the um, group chat, Lissa, is that it's hard to know how, if I'm being overprotective or I'm, am I, and I, and am I hindering my kids growth in certain areas because I'm trying to be so protective of so many different things. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's very difficult to understand. I mean, you guys already touched about on the hoodie thing and getting shot just for being black. I mean, we literally had an incident two weeks ago um, when we were pulled over by the cops because we were training for basketball in the park. It was just me, Julian, um his friend and his dad there's nobody else in the park we're social distance we're everything that you could have and this is one park that happened to be open amongst the ones that were closed and then the cop pulls up and we said man we've been here every day we didn't know it was closed and long story short he asked us to leave and as we're leaving i'm explaining to him i understand what you're saying the police have came here every day as we're leaving but they've never told us to get out so i'm asking you are you kicking us out because it's you, are you kicking us out? Because that's the rule. Because that's two different things. Mm -hmm. Because if you just want to do it because somebody called, are we breaking the rules? And he was really saying no, and it was really just came down to he wanted us to leave. 
And because I was voicing my opinion, I was like, well, I don't, I don't think that's fair. We'll come back tomorrow, we'll do it a different day. He got upset and then he tried to say, well, I'm putting you under arrest. I was like, I'm with my son. Yeah. And then next thing we know, five or six cars pull up. Oh my gosh. And they're, and they're, and they're saying whatever. And he was like, well, I'm gonna need CRD. And I, and I, and I, I had to, I, I kind of got beside myself and I, you know, was telling him about himself in a, in a correct way. I wasn't going crazy, but I was, but I wasn't being quiet either. Yeah. And I was saying, I'm not about to allow you to do this to me. I'm not going to do that. I don't care if you're pulling up all these people in here. I was telling Julian to get in the car and he's not listening to me. And I guess because he's like, I'm filming my dad I said, Ju, it's okay. I'll, I'll handle it. But I'm also paying attention to the cops not being overly aggressive. Mm. He's not reaching for his weapon. Yeah. The other cops aren't reaching for his weapon. So I'm really just kind of like venting and being like, man, you guys got to understand we're not doing anything. We're, right. and, and so long story short, we made up, it, it ended up working out. We just ended up having to leave. But I was telling the cop, I was like, listen, man, it's not okay for you to just pull your badge when I'm just voicing my opinion. Right. But all in all, my son was looking at this. Mm-hmm. So, but when we got home, I had to tell him, I said, listen, do not do what I'm doing. <laughs> I was about to say, bro. I told him that. I said, do not do what I'm doing. I said, because I'm telling him, I said, I'm, I'm, if the cop would have reached for his gun or his taser or whatever, I would have immediately stopped and done whatever he said. It's not that I wasn't listening, but I was just talking like, hey, man, we were going, we were having words. You know, what I'm, I mean, that's the best way to put it. We were having words. And so, and I was, and I had to reiterate, I said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I, I'm reading body language. I'm, the other officers aren't tripping. The other officers were actually listening and they understood and they were really kind of like saying, guys, we know and we understand, you know what I'm saying? And they had to kind of tell the other officer too, like it really wasn't that big of a deal. So, but, but at the same time, I would never want my son to be in that position and, and have to, to talk or, or, or handle those things because to be honest, he's an outspoken kid. You know what I mean? We've been, we've been in, in school. We've been your son. Listen, we've been caught up to the school and I, and I, and if he's wrong, he's wrong, but if he's right, he's right. And so I've been in a position where I told the principal, I don't, I don't agree with what you're saying. And I actually agree with what my son is saying in certain situations. And so um, I, I worry a lot, if I'm just honest, just not because he's going to do anything wrong, but sometimes it's just because life comes at you a certain way. And, but you don't want to be the parent. You can't go nowhere. You can't do nothing. I know if he's in his room playing the game and he's, if he's with me and he's at basketball, he's safe. But at the same time, as they get older, they don't want to be at home and they don't want to do this. And where, where's the balance? So it's, it's, it's very tough to know when to do, how to do, what to do. I mean, and just to add insult to injury or to, to think about it a different way, my oldest son is gay. So you always think about that. We had the society talk with him. We're like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, live your life, do how you want to do, right? but you have to understand what comes with making that choice about your life. Or, I mean, whatever you want to choose with your life and how you're going to live out of what, because people will be like, it's a choice! And I'm not saying that. It was just trying, you really want your kids to understand the choices that they're making. Or the, and when you, when you say this about yourself, 
there's people that aren't going to, they're not going to like you for your sexual preference. They're not going to like you for your skin tone. They're not going to like you because you're light skin with good hair. They're not going to like you. There, there's so many reasons that people aren't going to like you. And, and, it's, and it's hard to protect them from the world. And, and, I, and I, feel like I'm, I, I fear that I know that I can't protect them from everything. So you just try to give them as much as you can. But if I'm honest, like, I, I don't know where the balance is. I, I lean on the overprotection. So yeah, Tammy doesn't necessarily agree with that all the time, but I just feel like, well, I'm scared. So he's Well, that's the thing about parenthood that I realized. I was talking to my dad about how young he actually is. I, I gave my parents more of a break as I had kids because I realized there is no manual. You really are just trying to do what you think is best with the amount of information you have, and you don't really know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and our parents, we were, you know, Melissa's parents, especially, they were three girls. Your parents were what? How old? 18, 20, and then 20 and 22. Wow. She had three kids by then. And your dad was 24, 25, 24. And then on top of that, they're living in a foreign country. They go live in, you know, Germany. Like, bro, like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, Marcus and Angel, they, you know, very family-oriented people. Now they live in all the way across the country with a baby and they can't even have nobody pick the baby up. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when we had Zay Zay, neither of our parents lived in Washington, but Jay was there, Nick was there. You know what I'm saying? We had family friends. We at least had that kind of- uh, We had a community. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know. Like, you don't know, bro. You are just like, oh man, I don't know. Hopefully this is what you say. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't know. It's the thing I've been the most proud of and the most ill-equipped for is fatherhood. At least in marriage, I was older and I knew the concept and Melissa was an adult. Like them babies, when you first get them, if you don't pull their head up, they can't even do that. <laughs> you put them on the ground in the corner and leave for three hours, when you come back, they'll be right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're trash. Hey, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what did you do? You have anything last thing for you? No, I wanted to um, touch on that. I'd maybe have you guys all end on that because that's what I wanted to talk about was the um, how you feel raising young black men in this like social climate with um, uh, Trump as president and you know those type of fears, which I guess you guys talked on. And then how do you find yourself balancing protection versus not protecting? And then we can. Yeah, I feel like protection versus not protection. I feel like for me, or overprotection. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting into the thing where I realize my kids are at the age I was when I was like, I don't want to do anything y'all are doing. Wherever y'all are going, I don't want to go. I want everything's funner with my friends. It's not as nice when it's happening to you as it is when you are choosing for yourself. And I think I'm just like, um, little stuff. I am trying to let them go a little more. Like Isaiah's at the age where after school. You know, our office is uh, right by his school. He like, I don't want to come directly home. I want to hang out with my friends for a little while. And then it's like, okay, Texas then, Texas this, Texas this. When you're home by yourself, Texas every hour on the hour. And I probably, me and Melissa go back and forth about this, about, you know, when they're home alone, Melissa's like, they need to check in on the hour. And I'm like, Melissa, this boy is going to be in ninth grade. <laughs> he should not have to check in on the hour. Let him check in every hour in, or every two or three hours. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. But at the same time, you don't want nothing crazy to happen to them. You don't want to, you know, because, you know, this, especially some of the police, you don't even have, it's the Tamer Rice thing, that whole thing happened in less than 10 seconds. And you right, can yeah. do everything right all the time in one bad interaction, and that's it. 
You know what I'm saying? So that that kind of fear cloud kind of hovers over me a little bit with them about Rightfully so. Yeah, I just want to if I can't be there with you, you got to know what to do and how to hold yourself. You don't even have the opportunity to lose your temper. Cuz you lose your temper, you lose your life. You know what I'm saying? So what are you guys thoughts on that? Um yeah, it's, it's definitely Yeah, it's it's a different climate and um Again, like hitting on the thing of like reading the situation, always trying to make sure you're aware, you know, think out all the possibilities. It's, and it's hard to teach somebody that age that, you know, because right. it's just like, well, I'm just trying to be a kid. You know, I'm just trying to be me. I'm just trying to have fun. It's like, yeah, I get that. But unfortunately, we live in a time and a country and things are even heightened now because, you know, like my kids and my son's at the age, like, I don't, I mean, he knows that Barack Obama was president, but this part of his life is just like, yeah, this is Trump. This is Trump season. Like you see yeah. all of this stuff happening and everything's getting more and more heightened because he's promoting it. You know, like the, the whole racism and all that is there. Everybody feels so bold because he's, you know, this fool is in charge. But, um, and on top of that is um, how much more, uh, I guess I want to say liberal thing, everything is becoming, um, you know, I was, I grew up with a very traditional dad. You know, he taught me the values of, of being a man and I had to be a little more lenient. I have to be a little more lenient than what he was with my kids as far as being having, you know, sympathy, empathy toward other people. Um, and that's, that's also at the height of the thing, you know, at the height of, you know, passing on that legacy of, hey, this is what it is to be a man traditionally. Moving forward, you need to do this, you know, or, you know, it's a good idea to do this. You know, you're here to protect your family. You're here to do A, B, and C. Um, and you don't, I, it's difficult because, I mean, I even know friends of his that have parents, they're not teaching those values because it's like, well, that's old school. But I'm like, that's where we're, that's where we're losing a lot of these kids. It's like, yeah, they think this is old school to think this way, but however, this old school tactic got us this far. Right. How do you find yourself, oh, go ahead, Jason. No, 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 no. go ahead, go ahead. Go I was going to say, because we had talked about this um, at the beginning of, or before we started, how do you balance raising well-rounded men that are well-rounded emotionally, mentally, physically, with the idea of being, you know, old school manhood, you don't cry, don't let a woman, don't let anybody see you cry, don't let, you know, you're tough, you're strong, you're this, you're that, and a world today that's like, that's toxic masculinity, you need to be open, you need to be vulnerable, you need to be in touch with your feelings, you need to be able to articulate your feelings, one day you're going to get married, you're going to have a wife, and she's going to want you to, you know, be able to talk and have these conversations, don't be so guarded, be in touch, like, how do you bridge that gap? Yeah. I, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. What I was gonna say was you ask someone I'm learning that. It's um it's difficult, but what you what I find myself always teaching. Mm. Always trying to find the lesson in something. One thing that dad did for me and Kev was he repeated the same thing a lot. And one of the things I remember it's gonna sound crazy was unplug the iron. <laughs> unplug the iron. Unplug the iron. You guys left the iron on. Unplug the iron. Unplug the iron. You know what I never do now? I never leave the iron unplugged. Mm -hmm. I never leave the iron unplugged because I I still think about it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, that's something I never do now. Do I, I might make a mistake now and then, but I mean it's just the lesson was always do that. Always unplug the iron. And so I find myself like I feel like. Uh, 
there's so many lessons throughout the day. And I try to always give, you know, Julian's at home, he's the youngest, so I always try to give him a lesson. But at the same time, I worry about like, I don't want my relationship to always be that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want my relationship, like my dad was always teaching me this. I try to, I try to get, make myself balance out having the good times and having the whatever. And, um, cause you know, as you know, you know, children are going to learn more by watching you do what you do versus yeah. just what yeah, you, you ever say. Yeah. And they're, and they're going to have to watch that. So I, I, over the last few years, I tried to do better about doing that, especially when I went through my health thing, like, um, just being able to show you better than tell you. Um, mm-hmm. When I went through my health thing, I felt like I didn't have enough time to give all the words out. So that's why I got into this, always teach the lesson, always teach the lesson, always find the lesson, always find it, even if it's just a little nugget here and there. And hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll catch it, you know, over time. Um, but then, you know, some days I just figure out that let's just hang out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's just watch yeah. TV. Let's just do, let's play the video game. Let's do this or whatever. So you just get, you know, different versions of me being a father to you, but then uh, understanding the essence of who I am as a father to them in these situational things. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes it's, uh, I remember, you know, if you guys don't know, I negotiate everything, you know, everything has a deal, but at the same time, I take Julian to the mall with me and I'd be like, let's see if we can get it for cheaper. So, you know, just because it's fun, but he's also learning that, hey, that might not be the final price. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing is what I'm saying, guys. It's hard. It's interesting, Jay. You said your dad told you, or dad said that, he said the same thing a whole bunch of times. You always hear the scripture, train up a child in the way they should go. And when you train, it's really repetitive motion day in, day out, always constantly training. And that is never letting up. It's not, you know, like LeBron is in the 17th year, still training, still going hard. It's repetition, it's rest, repeat, all that type of stuff. And that's, I really, I remember I had this thought so clear. I'm like, I'm always telling them the same thing. And that is training. Yeah. Training them, this is how you act in public. This is how you answer. Instead of saying, huh? Or what? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? I remember they got. Um, can you repeat that? And then, if you take training a step forward or further, it's when you conquer something. Then it's okay. Let's work on this. It's you know I I'm I'm I'm, I'm good in this area. Now let me add this. Let me or let me strengthen this. You know what I'm saying? So in that you know analogy, it's like okay, this is how you treat your mom. This is how you respect me. This is how you respect your teacher. This is how you talk to a girl. I remember we had to have the con- the talk with them about consent. And what that means, I think we had that around the, you know, uh, yeah. during sex. And, and again, that's different from boys to little boys of color. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A whole lot different. Absolutely. Like, you're not going to be given the benefit of the doubt on anything. If there ever is doubt, you will have none. You will have no benefit, right? right? So I think for me, it's, it's, uh, it's, also letting them know that you love them. Like I'm the very strict per- parent. Melissa just lets them do whatever they want. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> let's totally get this together. <laughs> right. But even like you were saying, Jay, about the video games, like I went in there, I go in there and mess with my kids 10, 15 times a day. 
a list of probably 20. <laughs> she calls them in. I go mess with them. Today, I went in there messing with Joel. I was like, I'm going to take a nap in here. And I really fell asleep in his room. Like, I was playing with him. And I didn't realize I was playing until I woke up. And then when I woke up, he was like, yo, can you get out? <laughs> like, you were snoring. <laughs> you right. So just even having those little moments is important. Having movie night. We watched um, Ready, Ready Player One last night. And for those hours, you know, we just turn our phones off watch a movie, Melissa goes to sleep, and me and the boys enjoy whatever movie we're watching. And just having those moments where it's not always like, you know, right. it's, yeah. it's yeah. you know, it's, I don't, black parents have this thing about, I'm not your friend, and like, I get that, but I don't have to be I'm not, your enemy. But I am. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to be your enemy, though, either. You know right. what I mean? Like, we yeah. can enjoy yeah, you, you gotta respect me, but we can still have fun. Right, know? right. That's so. And I think that's it. Uh, do you guys want to give your handle so people can follow you on the gram if they are interested? Jason, we'll start with you. Um, at Jason Fredericks, it's right there on your screen. Just follow me there. Um, and that's that. Marcus, would you like to provide your Instagram? Marcus ain't on the gram. <laughs> Marcus ain't on the gram. You can also follow our podcast. Is this going to cause an argument with me and my wife at That Chick Angel? Yes, and Angel's fantastic. I absolutely just adore her. Marcus and Angel are good friends. We are, these are some of our LA friends we didn't have before, but now we do. I know. Um, uh, that's it. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peace. All right, y'all. All right, fam. All right.